Make this the best fall. And start at Plato's Closet in North Charleston and West Ashley. Earn cash for clothes. We're buying your trendy, gently used fall styles like boots, hoodies, denim, jackets, and other fall pieces. If you have cool fall styles just sitting in your closet and you don't plan to wear them again, earn cash on the spot. Make this the best fall with cash for clothes. We want your sustainable fall styles at Plato's Closet. Stop by today. Plato's Closet, located in West Ashley on Sam Rittenberg Boulevard and North Charleston on Rivers Avenue. And welcome into the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Although we just talked a couple of days ago, Matt, we are at no shortage of notable news and notes across Major League Baseball. Headlined by perhaps two of the biggest stars in the game on the same team who both got injured on Wednesday night. But before we talk about Mr. Shohei Otani, the, I guess now, potential future $500 million man. We'll talk about that and Mike Trout being injured. Matt, let me talk to you first here over on X at the salesman. How is everything going for you, my friend? Everything is good. I mean, I'm not an Angels fan, so there's that. But uh, I did want to throw a shout out to Stone Garrett, uh, a Washington Nationals who got injured trying to rob DJ LeMahieu of a home run on Wednesday night. And his ankle, it looked like his cleat caught in the padding of the wall and his ankle just kind of went down while the rest of his leg stayed where, yeah, it, it, it bent in a weird way. Uh, my man was having a good di- good season. Uh, so hopefully he comes back and uh, is good to go. But it, it, it doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon that he's back. He was very good of late, too. He was a sneaky little ad, especially if yeah. he was still out there. You could get a little production here over the past couple of weeks. But... He was a 2.1 B-War player this year. Yep. And now I doubt we see – I don't want to be pessimistic, but I doubt we see him. That didn't... No, they, I mean, they didn't say it was an ankle. They said it was a lower leg, but I'm guessing it involves where the tibia and fibula uh, reached the ankle and some stuff got screwed up. Yep, did not look good for Stone Garrett. So we may need some outfielder replacements, so make sure you check the waiver wire. We do have guy the waiver wire article over at FantasyAlarm.com, which you can check out for maybe that replacement outfielder that you'll need for Stone Garrett. But, Matt, let's talk about the Angels here. Simply put, Otani left the start, I believe. It was in the second inning. Yeah, it was after four outs. Originally, it was classified as arm fatigue. Yes. A few hours later, it became a torn UCL. Yeah. So his velo was down significantly in that in that start. Yeah. I'm very confident in this because the team basically also said it. We will not see him on the mound in 2023. That's that is over with. It seems like there may be a chance he tries to keep playing offensively. Well, he played in he played he hit in game two of the doubleheader. Correct. So he pitched. He started game one. They took him out after one and a third inning. He went and got an MRI, found out he had a torn UCL, and then battled his way to be in the lineup for game two so he could DH. And, you know, did, did decently well. I mean, he hit a home run in the first at bat of game one before he tore, you know, before we knew he had the torn UCL. But it's not like we haven't seen this before from Shohei. Right, like in 2018, thereabouts, he tore the UCL and DH'd until he got it fixed, 
or while he was rehabbing, right? And then the following season is when we saw him back on the mound. But I want to ask you, what what do you think this does to his free agency at this point? I think it adds some question marks. Like, obviously, NL teams can use him as a DH. We all know the NL has DHs. They just had – the Phillies just had Bryce Harper play DH all of the second half of last year with a torn UCL. Couldn't throw the ball, but he DH'd. Um, now they're having him play first base now that he's done rehabbing. But you're not getting Shohei just to stick him in DH and eat that spot for you, right? You were getting Shohei because he's a he's a double threat like no one we've ever seen. Do you think he's a five hundred million dollar bat? I, I mean, mean, Aaron Judge make the case. Aaron Judge wasn't a isn't a five hundred dollar five hundred million dollar bat. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's tougher to put. So ultimately, I think what's going to end up happening is I still think teams are almost going to have to pay that because the the Otani the Otani team is going to say like other pitchers have come back from UCL injuries and have been just fine. You know what I mean? But yeah, correct. Well, technically, if you really want, he's not. We don't know if he's going for surgery yet. Correct, correct. But there's still the thing of like. Yeah, multiple UCL injuries. People come back from Tommy John. They pitch just fine. And even if Otani is, you know, a sh- not quite, I don't want to say a shell of himself because that's not quite it, but like a 75% Otani is still a, a what, top three starter in most rotations? Like, that seems fair, right? Like, a, a number right, but here, right. But here's the question like, are you getting, because now it's the second UCL. So now you've got to be concerned about innings load going forward, right? Because guys have come back from a second UCL, but they're never the same guy. They're like an innings eating. Um, I can't even say innings eating because they, they usually work less innings at like a middling ERA. Mm-hmm. That's not what you're getting. Show Like that's what you – but the other thing to be interested in is what does it do to the length of the contract? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's going to be in- like we saw people backing out of Carlos Correa's fictitious leg, ankle, knee, hip issue that may or may not cause a problem seven years down the road. Mm-hmm. Now you have this guy who has a broken wing, basically, can't throw. And I, I don't. I don't know how you sign him to a to a decade long contract. So this may be apples to oranges, but when looking at it, the Rangers again apples to oranges. So bear with right. me. The Rangers gave Jacob Degrom a ton of money, and he's thrown a hundred and fifty six innings since the end of the twenty twenty season. He's had just as many arm issues. Again, it's apples to oranges. Uh, comparing Otani's instance to any other pitcher is it's not it's it, it's not quite fair. Right, but like that's because... what I'm saying. Like these injury concerns, the Yankees, as dumb as they are, they gave Rodon a bunch of money. He's had injuries. He had one healthy year, and he got the bag. I think I think a team's gonna have there. I, I think they're gonna have to pay up to find out what version of Otani it's gonna be on the mound in the future. His bat enough is going to play. Is his bat alone five hundred? 
Probably not, but I, I still think there's a very legitimate chance he's going to get the $500 million because the team is going to say, these guys have come back. Look at these past deals. Otani's been healthier than Jacob deGrom, and look at the money he got as a pitcher, and look what he's done this year in checks notes, six starts. Like, Right, but like that's the thing is now you're starting to see, okay, so deGrom got the bag, but everybody assumes that that was a stupid deal, right? Everybody's already assuming the Carlos Rodon deal is stupid, right? But to Everybody, get those guys, you're going to have to pay it. I mean, at this point, the Chris Sale deal looks pretty stupid. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, Kershaw is sitting here going, well, I've got as many issues as them, and I just keep signing one-year deals. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not going to give Otani a one-year deal, right? You're yeah, not giving cool. him a one-year $87 million contract, right? Right. But what I think this does is I think this helps the Angels keep him. I really do. Because the Angels can say, we're going to give you this money, but we're going to backload it so it's after the horrifyingly bad Rendon money falls off the books. Right? And we're going to backload it so that we're done paying the pool holes, deferred money, whatever. Right? Right. And we're going to backload it so that you and Trout are the only two dudes drawing salaries at that point. And we know how to rehab you to get you back to an MVP caliber because we did it once. And you're familiar with us. You can still get all of your sponsorship deals in place. Like, I don't know how many teams are going to sign an injured dude knowing that he needs Tommy John to be the full extent of himself and then be willing to give up a year and a half to let that happen. Cause here's the thing. If he gets surgery this off season, how does he rebuild his innings while he's still expected to DH full time? You know, it's not like, like Bryce Harper DH full time, but he didn't have to go and get an innings load in mm-hmm. right. Walker Bueller underwent it and he's, theoretically coming back this month but he didn't have to go get at bats or still dh all he had to do was sit there and work on pitching so i think this is an interesting case where it may actually help the angels keep him now for those of you who are saying it was stupid for the angels to not trade him no sorry still don't believe that hindsight's 2020 though it's hard right it's like every life decision you go through you can come back and go Oh, well, gee, I should have done that, which is why it's called Hindsight's 2020, because you know how the ending plays out. Yeah. But he they weren't going to get the haul that the Nats got for Juan Soto. Even if they traded him a year ago, they wouldn't have gotten that haul because everybody in baseball realizes that was a really stupid deal. Like, the Padres gave the Nats an entire farm system for one guy who took a year and a half to get used to his – or a year to get used to his surrounding. Plus – the Angels are still the only team that can negotiate with him until the end of the season. What if what if it turns out that he ends up let's say he let's say he needs Tommy John. Yes. Part of me has this weird suspicion they may try to avoid the Tommy John surgery and do like that platelet injection and try and go from there. But let's just say for the sake of this, he needs Tommy John. Yeah. He doesn't pitch this year, doesn't pitch next year. So now we're looking at 2025. What if the Angels basically say We'll meet you in the middle 
in quotation marks, if you're just listening to this and not seeing it in quotation marks and say, we'll do a four or five year deal. You get a player option year four or five, whatever, if you want to leave early, that puts you at 33 or 34 years old. That'll allow you to cash in on the market one more time afterwards. But we keep you for say four years. Basically, we're going to throw away next year, play for 2025, 2026 and 2027. So we're going to get three more years Essentially, three because next year they're going to stink if Tom, if he gets Tommy John. I mean, yeah. But that's three more years of Otani. He still gets a good bit of money. He stays with the team. It gives them a little more time. And like you said, kick the money down the line, get get out from underneath Rendon, out from underneath Pujols, and then make 2025, 2026, and 2027 your years that you are going for it. And then if it doesn't work, trade Otani then. Yeah. Like, I mean, that might that might be the best way to keep him. Because at this point, if you don't, like, at this point, are the Angels scarred from long-term deals? Like, the Trout one, he's just been injured a good bit. Obviously, the Pujols one, yikes. And the Rendon one, yikes. So, like, maybe they're scarred and just say, let's do, let's meet you in the middle. We're going to help us help you. Five years, help us. Because we're going to basically still pay you while you're rehabbing and maybe hitting in the second part of the year. Right, but we're going to help you by allowing you to cash in one more time at thirty three or thirty four. Because if you come out and dominate twenty twenty six and twenty twenty seven healthy, you're going to get one last big final contract for your career, and that'll take you into into this as you ride into the sunset. Yeah, I think it's perfectly feasible. Now, will you sign that? That's the other question. But well, the, the I guess the question is: Is anybody offering longer than that? Is some team going to be stupid enough to offer him a twelve-year deal? Correct, and that, and that's something that because at know. this point, I don't know that anybody is convinced that that he can stay healthy for an entire like that. You can get the value out of him out of a twelve-year deal. I mean, that would take him right now till forty to his early forties. Yeah, I mean, and whatever, and but. and at what point you give him the the unicorn deal, right? For twelve years, what if he's only a hitter when he's thirty five? What if he? What yep. if he's only a pitcher when he's thirty five? Although I'm very confident that won't be the case. But you know what I'm saying? Like, what if he ends yes. up going one way or the other? You now have a super expensive DH one way player. Yeah, yep. potentially a DH. Actually, I mean, probably you're not going to put him in the field. I mean, he could play outfield, but you're not going to put him there. Well, don't tell DraftKings that because you can still put him at like first base and outfield and DraftKings. Yeah. So I think it's okay. it's at least it's one. I think it's at least first base. I, I'm pretty sure it's outfield too. But yeah, this as as interesting and as fun as the contract negotiations in the offseason were already going to be. Things got a lot more interesting. The yes, not the fun part. The interesting no. got vastly increased. But also in that game too, don't want to. It's weird to. Like, yeah. over by the way, Trout also here, injured but... Mike Trout. Yep. So he's back on the IL. So in our show sheet yeah, here, I, I have did, I have angels dead what, question mark. Did you hear? Did you hear what it was? Because I haven't heard what the uh, left hand. So it wasn't ready yet, and they rushed him back to try to. That's uh, kind of. I mean, I still don't disagree with what they did at the deadline. You have to make the run. You have to give your fans something to root for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gone south. Yeah, in an abysmal way. All of your stuff hasn't worked in the crosstown Dodgers. Every one of their trades worked. Yep. Um. But I, I still don't blame. Him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't bring Trout back the rest of the year. 
Yeah, and I'm looking here uh, over at CBS Sports where an article written by Adam Silverstein. Headline is just Angels star Mike Trout returns to injury list one day after returning from seven-week absence. So that encapsulates it. They rushed him back trying to make something out of nothing, and now they're just double screwed. Yep. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens here in the offseason with Otani, and I'm sure there will be no shortage of conversation about it. I'm sure we'll still be talking about him. It'll be very interesting for fantasy managers. Will they still have the bat in the coming days? That will be very interesting to see too. But we'll see. Could you imagine an Angels lineup without Trout or Otani in it? Like down the stretch? Haven't we seen it every year for like the last five years? <laughs> True. But I, I assume, you know, every on every Friday show we do the weekend streamers. I'm assuming now our default's going to be who plays the Angels. the Angels. Is that pitcher lower owned? There's our streamer for the week. But we have a streamer this week. We'll talk about it at the end of the show. But it's Friday as you are listening to this. So it is time to go down on the farm with Matt Sells. So, Matt, a couple of prospects here. Although a couple of these guys I have here, I guess you could kind of consider post-hype kind of just because it seems like the – Yep. Some of the 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 shine has come off of these guys. But Michael Bush, I believe around the trade deadline, one of the Farm Fridays we did, talked about him to you. And I believe you had said you would like to see him get traded, if yes. I don't remember, just to open up playing time. Because um, I don't know what else this guy has to do to prove <laughs> that. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote it up again this week in this week's prospect report because Michael Bush came up because J.D. Martinez is injured on the I.L. So yep. apparently – having your DH get injured allows you to call up a second baseman. Um, but Michael Bush has been crushing AAA pitching for, I mean, more than a season now. He played 111 games at AAA last year. Prior to the call-up this year, he played 80, something, I think 85, 88 games. Mm-hmm. The slash line is amazing. The power is there. Steals, yeah, okay, but he's not really known for speed, right? He'll get you a handful of steals in a season. But in the 190 or so games, he's got like 40-plus homers, six steals. He's hitting over 300. Mm-hmm. He's walking a lot, playing competent defense. I don't know what else he needs to do. And to be honest, I'm not sure anything clears up next year when they get some injured guys back. Because remember, they lost key offensive bat in spring training that everybody seems to be forgetting about now, but he'll be back. Yep. And then what do they do with Michael Bush? I don't know. But right now you got to play him, man. The guy's going to hit. I know he hasn't done that quite so well in the majors right now, but can you blame him? He got like four days and then got sent back to Tulsa. The big thing is just, and part of it, I think too, goes with what you said of like, you got to give him a chance to establish some sort of a rhythm. Yep. The strikeouts are just off the charts. He's got to cut that down. But when you look at his track record in the minors, like, Sure, he peaked at double and triple A in like the mid 20 percent. He's not he's not a strikeout a third of a third of the time type guy that we've seen in the big leagues. It's just it's just hard. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, how can you expect him to get in a rhythm? You give him six at bats and then he sits for three days or then he goes. Now he's got to travel to where the minor league team is. Go dominate there. Establish some confidence. Travel again. Big league pitching gets three at bats to prove himself. Like, I mean, I just don't know what you what 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 can the guy do? You know what I mean? Like, give him give him a chance. Like. And it seems like they're going to now. Obviously, the power is legit. He can make good contact. We've seen it, although it hasn't happened at the major league level yet. For fantasy managers down the stretch here, he's pretty much just a flyer, right? Hope that with some consistent playing time, he kind of puts it together. But he's one that you're probably not going to be too married to in redraft leagues. Uh, Correct. You're going to ride the hot streak. And then if he doesn't do anything, then you – 
then you drop him. By the way, I'm I'm looking at the Dodgers lineup, and how more left-handed could you possibly get in the lineup right now? They have. Do you realize that the Dodgers in their normal lineup right now only have three right-handed hitters? Yep. Betts, Will Smith, and Miguel Rojas. Everybody else is lefty. Everybody else is lefty, and not even a switch hitter, just straight up. Straight up lefty. Oh, yeah. Gavin Lux, by the way, is the guy that I named blanked on who was going to be the starting shortstop who tore his ACL in spring training. Yep. He was a guy I liked until that happened, too. So when he comes back, I have no idea what they do. (laughs) Trade him him for a healthy arm? (sighs) Like, maybe. Maybe. I, I mean, I just feel bad for Michael Bush. He's gifted, but also has the gift of being in the deepest farm system on the planet and um, a team that just likes to plug and play everybody else over him for some reason. Down in the farm system in Chicago, there's a couple of uh, big names. Like I know that young arm, that Cade Horton guy's in the minors there and he's looked pretty good, but any chance before the end of the season, we see some other notable prospects for them, namely PCA, Pete Crow Armstrong, such a cool name by the way, and or Jordan Wicks. Any chance we see either of those two dudes by the end of the season? I think we've got a shot. I think it's probably better for Pete Crow Armstrong, who's putting together a pretty good year uh, at AAA. He's been, uh, you know, he, he was one of the, the Mets prospects they gave up when they, <laughs> they made one of those trades that their fan base hates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kalenic went in one trade and PCA went in another trade and they all spazzed and nobody's nobody's cared since. Um, I think there's a pretty decent shot that we see PCA. Remember, September 1st, coming up next week, rosters expand to 28, and only one of those spots can be taken up by a pitcher. One has to be a hitter. Um, so pretty decent shot we see PCA get some life going back. In, like, they're fighting for a wild card spot, so any life that they can pump into that offense is a good sign. Jordan Wicks. Um, there's also Ben Brown. So Cade Horton is their top pitching prospect for the Cubs, but he's in the low minors still. So he, there's no chance we see him this year. Uh, Ben Brown is probably their second best for me. Like Ben Brown and Jordan Wicks are pretty close. Um, they're both a triple a, but Ben Brown has had a little bit more control issues at triple a. His strikeout to walk ratio is not as good, um, as Jordan Wicks is is a triple a so i think with the stroman i don't know when he's going to be back routine mm-hmm. we could see jordan wicks come up uh and make a shot now he's a solid pitcher he's not an ace caliber guy he's not a frontline starter he's a mid-rotation guy who can eat innings and get strikeouts and that's perfectly fine for fantasy if he comes up if you need pitching help take a shot but like he's not a He's not an Andrew Abbott. He's not, you know, a Taj Bradley. He's a solid arm. Yep. And then kind of post-hype guy, rather maybe the definition of a post-hype guy yes. here. Here in the month of August, Spencer Torkelson, eight home runs up to 23 homers on the year. You know, kind of similar to Michael Bush in that, like the batting average and like the contact rate is not where you would expect it to be for a guy like Tor. Cause he came up when he came up, the yes. thought was big power, but also bat to ball ability. Very, very good. He's not a two thirty five hitter. Like we've seen this year from him. When it comes to a guy like Torque, 
At this point, based on the strong August, what he's put forth this year, he's finally done a little bit in the power department. Do you think he has finally figured it out, despite the fact that he is hitting 235, but is expecting batting averages up at like 263? So simply put, has Torque finally figured it out? I think he's starting to, yeah. I don't think it's helped his development that he came up pretty quickly. He was a he was a very quick riser. I mean, they drafted him because he was the best college bat in the draft. He had like a 70-grade hit tool and pretty decent pop, but it seems like things have flipped a little bit there. It's taken him a little while longer. So when he first came up, there was not a lot of support in that lineup. I mean, there's still arguably not that much support in the lineup. I was going to say, there's not much still. <laughs> but some guys just take a while like you hear the scouts and gms and managers will say oh i don't want a guy who comes up before he's had 500 at bats and you know at you know in the upper minors or you know x number of at bats at each level because it takes that long to get used to that level the pitchers that you're seeing the routine the talent level the park all that stuff that's the case here he's had enough at bats at the majors he's starting to figure it out so you know going forward do i see him being like a 300 hitter next year no but is he capable of being like a 270 hitter for the season sure he's got enough pop to go land you like 25 homers perfectly perfectly fine at uh, a <laughs> corner infield that's a perfectly fine player yep absolutely and head over fantasyalarm.com check out matt's prospect report a lot of good information in there, so make sure you go check that out over at fantasyalarm.com. Matt, <clears throat> excuse me, couple, something I wanted to add in here, just a fun little talking point here. So it's the superb and super significant statistic of the week. I got two go. for you here. Well, you got two because I got one too. Okay, we got three then. Actually, one's more of a trivia question. But anyway, um, no surprise. We've talked about uh, Shohei Otani a good bit, but obviously first player ever to hit 40 home runs and win 10 games as a pitcher in a season. He's one home run away from being the first to hit 45 home runs and win 10 games in a season. And he's six away from being the first to hit 50 home runs and win 10 games in a season. If he hits the rest of the way, I think he's got a very legitimate chance of getting to 50. I think it's a virtual guarantee. He gets to 45 considering yes. he just has to run into one more ball over the last handful of games here. Um, if he plays and stays healthy the rest of the way, do you think he gets to 50 and 10? Yes. Okay. I agree with you there. And then my other superb and super significant statistic of the week, which is just disguised as a trivia question, really. Nolan Shanuel, obviously he was brought up a mere, feel, what feels like two weeks after he was drafted up to the big league team. He was the first player brought up in the same year as they were drafted as whom? Do you remember that particular pitcher? He pitched for the Royals. Uh, he pitched in the College World Series that year, and then I believe he also pitched in the uh, MLB World Series, if I'm not mistaken. Like, the Royals made the World Series the year they called him up, and then they traded him to, I think it was Cincinnati. It was one of the Ohio teams. I think it was Cincinnati that they traded him to. I say all that to say I'm blanking on his name, but I know who it is. Yeah, I that's the guy that I thought it was too, because I vaguely remember that being the case, but I think it was slightly different. The one that I had seen per the tweet, it was Garrett Crochet. Oh, for the White Sox. Yep, drafted June of in the 2020 June amateur draft and pitched 
in 2022 or excuse me in 2020 in that year as well so he was the first since then he was but yeah okay so but the royals guy I he must have the royals guy is the first one to ever pitch in a college world series and an mlb world series in the same year and i'm blanking on his name yep what's your what's your superb stat of the week so I have two. One, the Yankees who won on Wednesday and ended their nine-game losing streak, had they lost, it would have been the first time since 1913 that the Yankees had a 10-game losing streak in a season. Oof. Also, I think the name that you're thinking of is Brandon Finnegan. There you go. Yep. And also, he was drafted in June 2014. No. Was it Brandon? Then- was it- yeah, Brandon Royals. Finnegan? Okay, yes. And then went to Cincy, so you had that. Yep. yep. Um, then the second stat – and this is mind-blowing because these two people don't usually get put in the same sentence. But Babe Ruth had 476 home runs after Bob Barker was born. Bob Barker, who's still alive, was born in December of 1923. Babe Ruth had 476 home runs after Bob Barker was born. Jeez. Well, there you go. <laughs> Do what you will with that information. Absolutely. And then, of course, to wrap it up this week, weekend streamers and waiver wire preview. We'll roll through these quickly. Yep. Uh, it's a light streaming weekend. I'm going with Brandon Fought, 64% owned on FanTrack, only 3% owned on ESPN. Since he is scary to go against, but they've been striking out a lot of late. And since Fought has switched to basically just riding his fastball and sweeper for the majority of his arsenal, 296 ERA and a 107 whip in August. So take a look at Fought if he's available in your league. Matt, what say you on the streaming market? Uh, I'm going with a guy who's owned in 4% of Fantrax leagues. It's Pedro Avila. He's starting on Saturday against Milwaukee, who is bottom five in the league in ISO and bottom and in the bottom third in the league in weighted runs created plus versus right-handed pitching over the last month. Avila's gone four and two-thirds twice this year, and in those games he's given up five hits, one earned, and seven strikeouts in each. So that's my streamer, and we both have the same waiver wire at. Yeah, and I want to clarify my st- – oh, let me go with that. Uh, Cole Reagans is the guy of the um, waiver wire, owned in only 12% of ESPN leagues, 59% of fan tracks. I'm going to amend my statistic quick. It was that Shanuel was the first since Garrett Crochet, not the second ever amendment. Okay. Put that put that in notes. But that'll do it for this week's episode. Head over to FantasyAlarm.com if you're not an all-pro subscriber. Get, that, get your hands on our fantasy football draft guide as fantasy football draft season is upon us. Give Matt a follow on X at the salesman. I'm at Colby R. Conway, and we'll see you next week with the next edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Rise and shine for National Biscuit Month with Hardy's famous buttermilk biscuits. Made with love from scratch, fresh all morning. It's not the easy way, but it's the right way. Parties, goodness in the making.